I believe that we can supersede our beliefs and fold time in half and then fold it in half again. We see this all around us, and yet we cling to the safety of it can't be done or it takes this much time or you have to pay your dues. But you know what? I think that's a bunch of crap. I think we've been served it up and sold and it's holding us back. You're listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. This is your seat at the table. Welcome to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. I'm Darren Clark, the show's producer. And with so many new listeners joining us on the show, we want to make sure you get to know Roland and not just the business titans that we have lined up for you this month. So who is this guy who gets in rooms with business titans and deals with an extraordinary number of entrepreneurs? Well, he's the host of our podcast, and he's often described as the smartest guy in the room. He's also the co-founder or principal of five different Inc. magazine's fastest growing companies. He's a serial entrepreneur who's built or sold over 30 businesses with adjusted sales ranging from 3 million to just under 4 billion. In this episode, you'll hear some insights into the way that Roland thinks. It's one thing to be impressed by someone's entrepreneurial endeavors and glean takeaways and tips. It's another thing to think how the highly successful think and have the mindset that successful men and women share. But before we begin, please would you follow us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And also make sure to enter our giveaway over at businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash contest. Roland is giving away some super nice Apple prizes to celebrate passing the 250 episode mark. And stick around till the end because I'm going to give you a secret code word to get an additional 10 entries in the contest. I'll tell you that at the end. All right, enough from me. Here's Roland. Hello, this is Roland Frazier with Business Lunch. And today I am very excited to share with you the question of can you truly accomplish almost anything? In business, can you do as Peter Thiel suggests and achieve your 10-year goals in six months? Is the possible only limited by your mindset? Or are there possibilities that elude you, which are simply beyond your reach? Throughout history, we've seen the limits of the possible expanded again and again, from the light bulb to self-driving cars, telephones to space travel. Our perception of what's possible is ever expanding. And the same is true with respect to what's possible with personal performance and what the actual limitations of the human body may be. So whether it's Roger Bannister crashing through the four-minute mile, Usain Bolt's 9.58-second 100-meter dash, or Dick Fosbury flopping his way to a gold medal and revolutionizing the way athletes approach the high jump, we continually exceed the assumed limitations of human performance. If these amazingly formerly assumed impossible things can be invented and uh, these formerly thought unachievable human feats can be done, then surely you can hit your 10-year business goals in six months or accomplish in a year what most would take three or five years to accomplish. But how? Well, first, you have to sincerely believe that what you want to do is actually possible. If you cannot even conceive and believe that the thing you want to achieve is possible, then your amazingly powerful brain is going to find a way to support you in that belief. That's the first obstacle. So let's look a bit deeper and try to determine how we decide what can be and what cannot. The truth is that there are only a very few things that are actually impossible. And to help us examine these issues, let's address five categories of commonly held beliefs about possibility. First is legally mandated impossibilities. The second, physical impossibilities. The third is perceptual impossibilities. 
The fourth is fiscal, usually financial, impossibilities. And then last but not least, societal impossibilities. So the first one I want to talk about is legal impossibilities. When the rules say that you can't, does that make something impossible? Well, legal rules come in two major flavors, malum prohibitum and malum in se. The former are illegal only because somebody or some group of people got together and by statute said, you can't do that. You can't do something. The latter's considered wrong, the malum in se, meaning in and of itself. The latter's considered wrong because it's evil in and of itself. So sadly, we've, we've had many malum prohibitum laws over time that are actually malum in se, meaning that these prohibitions that people got together and said you can't do are actually kind of evil. Okay, when humans encounter these types of rules, we tend to have uh, we have a tendency to rebel against them and and even overthrow the rule makers. So if you find yourself telling yourself that you can't do something because the rules say you can't and those rules seem unjust, then you might be running up against something that needs to change. The penalties and punishment may be great if you go up against the law, but many have done so and made society better because of it. Think about Rosa Parks, who sat in the front of the bus, not the back of the bus. Or Susan B. Anthony, who said women should be able to vote. Abe Lincoln said slavery should not actually be legal in the United States, right? So that that law, that malum prohibitum law that stopped people or that granted slave ownership was actually evil and, and, and malum in se in and of itself. Nelson Mandela said apartheid should not be the rule in South Africa. And Mahatma Gandhi said that the Indian poor should have more rights and that British rule in India was unjust and so on. So the legal rules of law, and therefore the legal impossibilities that those rules created were unacceptable to these individuals. Despite the total unreasonableness of their positions and the beliefs in the eyes of those who made these rules, there was something worth fighting for to right the wrong and make it legally possible for future generations to be free of these artificially imposed impossibilities. So we are going to move on to physical impossibilities, okay? So this this is, is anything achievable? Can you achieve anything? So what about those who shattered previously believed notions of what was possible because of physical challenges or limitations? Beethoven composed five of his best symphonies while he was deaf. Marley Matten became an actress and won an Academy Award despite being deaf since she was one and a half years old. Stephen Hawking was completely paralyzed and couldn't speak, but he was married twice, had three children, and became one of the most respected and famous physicists of our time. Ray Charles lost his sight at seven, but went on to begin recording at age 17 and then eventually won 12 Grammy Awards. Helen Keller became a published author with several books and 400-plus articles despite becoming blind and deaf at age one and a half in a time when the possibilities for somebody that was suffering from those sorts of disabilities, the the possibilities for them to be assisted by technology just really didn't exist. And of course, Richard Branson of virgin fame had dyslexia, still has it, but somehow has managed to build 12, a dozen different billion dollar businesses. So if you think you can't achieve something because your physical condition is stopping you, just look to what these people overcame uh, to achieve the impossible. So we're going to talk about perceptual impossibilities. So perceptual impossibilities, 
this is, if, uh, for example, if you lived only a few hundred years ago, you would have never thought it possible to transplant a heart. But Christian Bernard did that and made it happen in 1967. You might have thought it never possible to fly people in a powered aircraft. But Wilbur and Orville Wright dispelled that impossibility at Kitty Hawk in 1903. You might have thought it not possible to drink water from any source safely without fear of a bacterial infection, but Vestergaard Fransen made it possible with the life straw in 2006. You might have thought it not possible to hold a computer in the palm of your hand that could access the world's information, answer any question you ask by voice, predict the weather, connect you to any human anywhere in the world, and even monitor your health. But we have that too, thanks to Theodore Pereskevatkos, who patented the idea of the smartphone back in 1973, and then the invention of the electromagnet by Carl Gauss and Wilhelm Weber, and the telephone, of course, by Antonio Mucci, and a practical application of it through Alexander Graham Bell. Creation of the internet via TCP IP by Robert Kahn and Vince Cerf. And voice recognition, thanks to Ellie Baum, who created the hidden Markov model, which is based on Ruslan Stratanovich's work on the optimal non-linear filtering problem. Whatever the human mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Napoleon Hill said that. And almost nothing that we believe to be possible is actually impossible. Almost nothing we believe to be possible is impossible. The perception of impossibility should never hold you back because there's only one invention, one breakthrough, or one set of breakthroughs. And that's why I use the the smartphone as an example because there were multiple breakthroughs that made that possible. But think about that. Even just 20, 30 years ago, the thought of a little device that you could hold in your hand that could do all of the things that our smartphones can do today seemed absolutely impossible. But if you can conceive it and you believe it, you can make it real. We've gone over so far three types of impossibilities that might get in the way of your ability to achieve anything. And I think we've done a pretty good job of dispelling whether those are actual real impossibilities or mindset issues. Let's see, those were, just a recap, were... Let's see, the very first one was um, impossibilities that were legally impossible. The second one was physical impossibilities. And then we talked about perceptual impossibilities. So we're going to talk about fiscal impossibilities. Fiscal, which is typically related to finances. So let's dive deep into what's possible and not possible with respect to business. Peter Thiel and I are telling you that you don't have to grow your business like everybody else. We argue that you can achieve your 10-year goals in six months. That's Peter's argument. And I'm saying you can follow a four-step plan that I have to 10X your business in the next 12 months. But your friends and family and your business advisors, your attorneys, your accountants, and everybody else is telling you it's going to take three to 10 years. Don't fail to excel because your mom says you can't. It's just not a good enough reason. So let's look at some hyper-rapid scaling case studies that support what Uncle Peter and I are saying and prove that massive, rapid hypergrowth is indeed very possible. Look how fast it's possible to scale revenue, customers, and employees. Desktop Metal, a 3D printing company, hit a billion-dollar valuation in just 21 months. Groupon, 
reached a billion dollars in sales in just over two years. A year after launch, Google was answering 3.5 million search queries a day. Tesla has hired 37,000 employees over the past nine years. Amazon scaled from 11 employees at startup in 1997 to 614 two years later, and a year later it had 2,100. Then it added 3,500 employees per year each of the following two years, and here's the whopper. Amazon added 335,200 new employees, 335,200 new employees in the two years between 2015 and 2017. Groupon handled $2 billion in billings, billings in its first two years. LinkedIn reached a million users in its first 494 days of operations. Office Depot reached a billion in sales in less than five years. YouTube had a billion users a billion users in eight years and a month. Alibaba went from 0% to 84% of all e-commerce purchases in the country in, in the country of China in just four years. Facebook reached its first 100 million users in just 55 months and its second 100 million eight months later. And Facebook was worth a billion dollars just two years after it was founded and hit the magical billion user mark, billion user mark, eight years and eight months after it began. So when you're telling yourself that it's impossible to grow your 10,000, 100,000, million, or $10 million business 10x in the next 12 months, just read through this list or just listen to this list again and remind yourself of how much easier it is for you to 10x your business than it was for them and just how very possible it is for you to make it happen in your business. We've covered the legal impossibilities that might be holding you back. We've dispelled those. We talked about physical impossibilities that might be holding you back, and we dispelled those. Then we talked about perceptual, the things that you can actually conceive and believe. We dispelled that. And then we talked about physical impossibilities, those that relate to the business. And we showed a whole bunch of examples of why what you think you can't do, others have already done. So this is societal or social impossibilities, okay? So let's let's take a look at social impossibilities. And what I mean by this is that the structure of our society and how things work socially make the desired goal, the things that you want, your objectives, impossible. This can happen because there's too many gatekeepers or there's a good old boy network like in the South, which I left a few years ago, or there's blackballing or simply just supply and demand because so many people are competing for the thing that you want that it's just impossible to get a break or get noticed or rise above the noise to get a foot in the door. Well, if you're thinking that's impossible, then let's look at what other people facing the same challenges were able to do, and maybe we'll learn that it's not so impossible after all. Milton Hershey left school after the fourth grade. He was fired from his first job as a printer's assistant, and then he had two failed businesses before he founded the Lancaster Caramel Company. He grew that to 1,300 employees, and he sold it for a million dollars to fund a new startup called the Hershey Chocolate Company, which is now worth about $28 billion. Albert Einstein didn't even speak a word until he was four years old and performed poorly at school. His parents thought he had a learning disability, and he dropped out of school at age 15, even flunked the entrance exam when he tried to go to college. But by age 26, he had forever revolutionized scientific understanding with his theory of relativity and quantum theory of light. Stephen King, 
who sold over 350 million books, was rejected 30 times before he found a publisher. And Oprah Winfrey was born in poverty in rural Mississippi. She ran away from home at the age of 13. She had a child at age 14 and lost it. And she was molested by no fewer than three of her close family members. Her first TV show totally bombed, but eventually she was able to build an empire that created a personal net worth of over $2.9 billion. Thomas Edison famously said, quote, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've found 10,000 ways that will not work, unquote. In addition to failing to invent the electric light bulb over a thousand times, Edison also enjoyed several other spectacular failures, including the automatic vote recorder, the electric pen, the tinfoil phonograph, the talking doll, ore mills and separators, and the Edison Home Service Club, as well as home projecting kinetoscope. Walt Disney was rejected by bankers over 300 different times when trying to get the funding he needed to get his Mickey Mouse empire off the ground. He also was fired by a newspaper for, quote, not being creative enough, unquote. His first cartoon business, Laughagram, went bankrupt, and he suffered a mental breakdown when an unscrupulous producer stole Disney's first big commercial success, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and all of his animators and left Disney with nothing. But Disney took it in stride and he said, quote, you may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you, unquote. He continued, quote, it's good to have failure because it teaches you so much. For one thing, it makes you aware that such a thing can happen to anybody, and once you've lived through the worst, you're never quite as vulnerable after, unquote. Today, Walt Disney Company has about one quarter trillion dollar market cap. So still think you can't overcome the odds and make the impossible happen? Tens of thousands of bold and persistent entrepreneurs before you have stared down doubt, pushed past legal impossibilities, overcome physical impossibilities, dreamt impossible dreams, and brought them to reality, broken through immense fiscal impossibilities, and persisted past the social and societal impossibilities. All you have to do is believe that you can do what you desire and then have the vision, tenacity, grit, and persistence to make it happen. I believe in you. Now you go and make the change and go and be the change. About a year ago, my friend asked me if I'd ever thought about how big my company would be if I had never, ever lost a customer. And that's a pretty crazy thing to think about. Of course, 100% customer retention is, as far as we know, impossible. But after that conversation, I, I really started thinking about how to increase customer retention. And after all, the more customers that you keep, the more money you do make, and it's generally 100% profit. So as most of you know, one of the most proven ways to increase retention is to communicate with your customers, which is why I've really been focusing on making our email newsletters great. And if you're interested in doing the same thing, I'd like to recommend you to our partners, the newsletter pros. They've done a ton of research on how email newsletters can make a big impact on customer retention, and they'll share it with you for free. Just text retention, R-E-T-E-N-T-I-O-N, retention, to 208-269-9111. That's 208-269-9111, and get your free retention guide. Could Oprah Winfrey have invented self-driving cars or space travel? Could J.K. Rowling have been a recording artist, or could Stephen Hawking play piano like Ray Charles? Well, I believe that any of these people could have done any of these things, regardless of natural talent. All they had to do was follow the five-step plan that they followed to achieve what they are currently famous for, only apply that to whatever different possibilities they wanted to achieve. 
How do you follow their five-step plan to achieve anything that you desire? No matter how outlandish or improbable, well, there's a simple five-step path that they all follow. And you can too. Step one, find the fire. First off, to be wildly successful at anything requires a burning passion. If Ray Charles was passionate about physics, I don't doubt that he could have been a great physicist. And same for Stephen Hawking on piano. How? Well, anyone can achieve almost anything using this five-step plan. Clearly, Hawking and Charles had the hot fire of passion driving them in their chosen professions. Finding that fire is the first step. Without that, they would likely not have succeeded as much as they did. And without that, you will not have the motivation to persist that you'll need to achieve anything you can conceive and believe. Step two, conceive and believe. Whatever the human mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Step two is acting on this brilliant summary of what's possible as articulated by Napoleon Hill. You have to see it first. You have to know what you want or there's no target. You have to believe that it's possible. Your subconscious will not allow you to achieve anything that you haven't seen as possible first. Step three, practice adaptive versus non-adaptive possibility. This is a big one. You can say that it's impossible for a 65-year-old, five-foot-tall woman in a wheelchair to become an active star NBA center player. And those chronological and physical constraints, they might mean that that's true. But if that is her dream, she can adapt it to give her the ability to play with her favorite NBA team in any number of ways. One, she could buy the team. Two, she could become a team coach or trainer. Three, she could create team exhibition games for charity to benefit the disabled. Four, she could win a contest to play a game with the team. Five, she could create that contest. Six, she could become friends with the players or the owners. Seven, she could become a vendor to the team, sell them something. Eight, she could become a manager or a trainer. Nine, she could become a team sponsor. Or Ten, she could connect with someone who already has a relationship with the team who can arrange for her to play. As you can see, there are many ways to get close to or at least very close to the same place that you originally want to get to despite the constraints. It may very likely require adaptation of the original desire, but possible it is in some form. If you find legal physical, systemic, financial, or societal challenges are impeding your desires and your potential, simply adapt your mindset to broaden the definition of what's possible and then pursue the adapted possibility. The importance of this step is to adapt your vision of the possible to a reality that you believe you can achieve. Without the adaptive step that we're talking about here, you're going to have a lot of difficulty truly accomplishing step two above. Okay, that's the conceive and believe step. Step four, apply data-informed resource opportunity alignment. So ultra-high achievers align themselves and their dreams to opportunities that match their talents, skills, and resources at times at which those opportunities present themselves. They increase the breadth of what's possible for them by sculpting their own possibility vision with the chisel and rasp of data and opportunity. So was it Beethoven's dream to have the exact career he did? Was it Ray Charles's or Oprah's or Hawking's? I'm guessing it wasn't. If you ask any of them what they envisioned their life's work would be at age 5, 15, 25, 35, 45, 55, you'd hear dramatic changes in desires over each decade and particularly across multiple decades. Every single one of those people evolved their efforts, desires, and ambitions over time informed by the data of their experience layered over the resources and opportunities that they possessed and encountered over time. Step five, pursue, persist, and persevere. Michael Jordan said, quote, 
I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I cannot accept not trying, unquote. Labeling something as impossible is easy. It doesn't require you to try. Therefore, you're rewarded with instant and permanent failure. But pursue and persist. Try, fail, and then persist and either succeed or, as Edison said, find more ways not to succeed. Putting the five steps into practice. Could J.K. Rowling sing? Not sure. Maybe she has no natural talent. Sorry, J.K. But even if her singing is not particularly good, she could become a highly popular chanteuse. After all, Neil Young... Bob Dylan and Yoko Ono aren't particularly good singers by traditional standards, yet they all found large audiences who really appreciated their unique voices. Rod Stewart and Bonnie Tyler as well. They weren't folks you'd think would win on traditional grounds, but they did persevere through a persistent pursuit of their dreams. Could Rowling or Hawking do that as well? Perhaps, if they were passionate enough, conceived and believed that they could, practiced adaptive possibility, applied data-informed resource opportunity alignment, and persistently pursued their visions until they persevered. We cannot say whether Oprah could have developed a spaceship or electric car, but I'll bet she could have had that if it had been her passion. Goodness knows that she could be the engine behind either of those projects now because she has the capital and connections to make it happen. Beethoven was clearly creative and he chose to apply that creativity to music, not light bulb invention. But who's to say, had that been his dream and passion, it wouldn't have happened. Michael Jordan did succeed at playing Major League Baseball. He leveraged his basketball success to get the opportunity, and he didn't succeed at having a sustainable, lengthy, or notable career at it, but he did get to play. Could he have stuck with it longer and perhaps made it work out better? Maybe. Maybe not. But he can still be involved in baseball if he wants to, just in a different role. Jordan himself said, quote, never say never because limits, like fear, are just an illusion, unquote. Even if MJ's baseball failure goes to show that it was possible for him to play baseball, he could still be a baseball player if he wanted to. He could create an MLB senior league. It worked in golf, so why not in baseball? Or buy a baseball team or create a charity road show or any of dozens of other paths to being significantly involved in Major League Baseball and playing on a team and doing so in front of fans. It might be a different adaptation uh, than you or I would conceive, but it would still be possible, and he clearly has the grit and means to make it happen. There's a clear five-step path to achieving anything, to making anything possible, regardless of who you are, where you start, and what real or artificial constraints exist that might make it harder for you to prove the possibility by achieving it. Step one, find the fire. Step two, conceive and believe. Step three, practice adaptive possibility. Step four, apply data-informed resource opportunity alignment. And step five, persist, pursue, and persevere. Anything is possible. And here's the thing. Our mindsets are limited to think that this stuff takes a certain amount of time. So you want to get what you really want and stop limiting beliefs about what's possible. This conversation grew out of a reply to my good friend, Vinnie Fisher, uh, who commented on a program that I have for increasing your business by 10x. And um, as I was replying to Vinny, it, it turned into something much more important. And that's how to think beyond what is possible, beyond what is possible. I'd like to share it with you here. It's all part of the think bigger, move faster model. And this was directly replying to my suggestion that you can 10x your business in a year, in 12 months, and um, in, 12, in a 12-month time period. And... Um, Several of the folks that responded 
when I was talking about this initially said, you know, no, it's going to, it may be in three years, maybe in 10 years, but that's just not the case. I mean, I totally get it. Uh, It frequently does take longer and sometimes much longer than a year to 10X your business, but it doesn't have to. My friend James Shramko mentioned that his number one and two growth requirements are mindset and physical capacity. And I, I totally agree with that. If you have the mindset that this can be done inside of 12 months, it absolutely can. I have a friend right now who's in the middle of hiring 10,000 new employees for a business that's absolutely on fire and it needs to scale immensely immediately. She has to complete those 10,000 hires in 18 months. And you know what? She can. She's a specialist in massive rapid scale and she's done it over two dozen times across multiple industries headquartered throughout the world. This is what she does. She's a very high-level recruiter. Companies like Airbnb have to scale wicked fast to avoid being swallowed up by their competition. Like when the Somver brothers started Windu, the German Airbnb knockoff that tried to grab European market share before Airbnb was ready for rapid international expansion. After launching, Windu approached Airbnb and tried to extort them for, as I recall, it was about 40% of the Airbnb equity to merge and stop the competition. But Airbnb held fast and figured out how to open multiple new locations throughout the world in an instant. Businesses do grow lightning fast when they have to. I believe that we tend to have this mindset that hiring and growing and scaling need to take time or at least take X amount of time. But that's just an artificial construct that we've learned or picked up along the way that has no basis in reality other than maybe that that's the way it's always been done or that's what we've been taught. There's no time constraint other than the one that we impose on our growth as a result of our mindset or our physical well-being. That's why I like James's inclusion of those two items in his list. There's no reason that we can't collapse time like my good friend Ed O'Keefe says in his excellent time collapsing book. I know, I've seen it, I've done it. I've also watched it with Facebook and Amazon and Google, 10 businesses with over a billion users, Google, and Virgin, $12 billion businesses. We see the unreality of artificial limitations with physical fitness. As my friend Jesse Itzler so brilliantly articulated in his Living with the Seal book, when David Goggins, who by the way also has an excellent book called Can't Hurt Me Now, showed Jesse that the U.S. Navy SEALs identified most people operate at only 40% of their true full capacity. We are under-indexing on average by 60%. And that's just because we don't possess the mental toughness to push forward beyond the artificial mental limitations to realize our true full potential. Are we going to accept a life in a business that operates at 40% of potential? I I don't think so. We just need to be hyper intentional about what we want to do. We have to break past the limiting assumptions of what we think or are told is as possible and in what period of time. We have to push past our artificial mental mindset that we inherited from others trying to quote unquote help us see and do what's possible and create our own reality distortion fields, just like Steve Jobs did. I am beyond passionate and my resolve to push harder, do more, achieve greater things, think bigger. I've had family members who are dear to me, who I love, ask why I'm pushing so hard and why I'm not content where I am. And I answer that I'm always miles from thinking big enough, miles from where I could and should be knowing what I know. I am dissatisfied with my progress and my achievements, that my body requires sleep, that there's a nighttime when we're supposed to stop, that I can't do 50 things at once, that I can't be six places at one time. I am hungry 
to learn more, serve more, do more, be more. I'm not dissatisfied or hungry in a bad way. I'm dissatisfied while being grateful for all I have in my life and appreciating the blessings and gifts I've been given. I'm not hungry in a bad way. I'm driven and motivated and lit up with a fire to push through everything I believe I can't do and everything I'm uncomfortable with or afraid of because I know that what I want lies beyond my comfort and beyond my fears. So please excuse my challenge to anyone who says this 10x growth plan can't be done in a year. To anyone who says that anything can't be done 10 times faster than everybody else says it takes. Please excuse my unbridled passion and ranting here, but to me, the number one thing that kills dreams and limits our otherwise limitless potential is not so much a hard reality that something cannot be done, but a belief that it can only be done linearly and not exponentially, that it can only be done with certain resources in a certain amount of time. I believe that we can supersede our beliefs and fold time in half and then fold it in half again. We see this all around us in the examples that I mentioned above and more, yet we cling to the safety of it can't be done or it takes this much time or you have to pay your dues. But you know what? I think that's a bunch of crap. I think we've been served it up and sold and it's holding us back. You can take my four-step 10X your business plan and do it in a year. Abso-frickin-lutely you can. Can you do it in six months instead of 12? Yeah, you can do that too. As well as the grit, hustle, health, belief, and determination to execute I'm fired up as hell, and I'm ready to go make this happen across all our companies at Digital Marketer, Traffic and Conversion Summit, War Room, Big Block Realty, Real Estate Worldwide, and all the others as well. And by goodness, with partners like Ryan Dice, Richard Lindner, Perry Belcher, Kent Clothier, all of these people, Sam Karamian, Oliver Graff, Alex Pratt, Hannah Warrior, the Clarion Events Team, Tom Wilkerson, Patty Coffey, Tom Litchfield, Adam Ackerman, all the others. I can't name them all here. I have lots of partners. That's another episode. We'll talk about why you should use partners. Partners in progress. Also, like Mike Calhoun and Gavin Preston and Dean Graziosi and Cole Joseph and Bo Harrelson and several more beside me, my family, and so many great friends behind me and the awesome people we work with, including my fire circle team, Deanna Rogers, Anna-Marie Hawkins, Carrie Nab, Carol McCrary, all supporting the effort. I'm going to make it happen. We are going to make it happen. We are going to build multiple billion-dollar companies. We're going to serve our customers and employees and stakeholders and put it down in the universe. I believe in our plan and our team, and I'm absolutely certain it's going to happen and happen fast. I love you all, and I thank you for allowing me this place to share this with you. I want you to know you can do this. You can do anything you set your mind and health to. It doesn't have to take any longer than you decide and you allow. I'm Roland Frazier. This is Business Lunch. Thank you for listening If you'd like more information, show notes, and other goodies, go to businesslunchpodcast.com and grab them. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And we've got a great episode on Monday with Richard Branson. Make sure you follow us for that. And now the secret word is EPIC, E-P-I-C. So go to businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash contest, and then you can enter the word EPIC to get an extra 10 entries into the contest. All right, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. If you're enjoying the show, let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. And for more information, go to businesslunchpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. What if three days could change the course of your business in 2023? 
Get Scalable Live is where you'll gain great clarity on the next steps that will help you create the business, life, and wealth you deserve. Connect with business owners and entrepreneurs just like you, hungry for advice, proven strategies, and necessary connections to grow a business. Literally, million-dollar conversations are happening in the hallways, in the bathrooms, across tables. Get Scalable Live at Fairmont Austin, November 2nd through 4th. Tickets are on sale now at GetScalableLive.com.